Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Brent Westra from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview with Dr. Hopson. Thanks, Dr. Pritt. Today we'll be discussing our pancreatic elastase test, often referred to as fecal elastase, with Dr. Pua Hobson, who is a member of the pediatric gastroenterology team here at Mayo Clinic. Dr. Hobson, thank you so much for joining us today. But before we dive into discussion of the test, would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, thanks, Brent. So yeah, I'm one of the pediatric gastroenterologists here at Mayo Clinic. I did my uh, pediatric GI fellowship training in Florida at the University of Florida in Orlando. And that's really where I developed this interest in you know, research and clinical treatment for pediatric pancreatology, specifically in exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, where the fecal elastase test, as you'll see with our conversation, is really an important part of my practice. Great, thank you so much. So without further ado, let's, let's dive in and start discussing the test. So would you be able to provide us a, a brief overview of this assay? Yeah, so with the fecal pancreatic elastase assay, it's a really helpful tool, like I said, for identifying exocrine pancreatic function. And it's a test that's used primarily on stool, and it's looking at the specific enzyme pancreatic elastase. The pancreas produces many enzymes. Elastase is one of them that's really important in this test because it doesn't get degraded by bacteria, which means that we can test it really easily on the stool. And so the elastase test measures the level of pancreatic enzyme within the stool. And from there, we can identify if it's at the appropriate level enough for you to be able to digest and have adequate function of your pancreas. So then when thinking about the application of this test, uh, which patients should have this testing and when should it be performed? Yeah, that's a really good question. When we think about pancreatic elastase testing, we think about it in a diagnostic method and also in a monitoring method. So when we talk about diagnosing, it's really to diagnose exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. That can come in forms of patients that have known exocrine pancreatic insufficiency with syndromes such as chronic pancreatitis or genetic issues like cystic fibrosis. But it can also be really helpful if you're trying to diagnose EPI in a patient who doesn't have any of these known causes and who presents primarily with abdominal pain, diarrhea, and weight loss. Primarily diarrhea and weight loss are one of the main symptoms that you'll experience with EPI. So after the test has been performed, how are the results used to guide patient care? Yeah, so after we do the test, there are specific levels for cutoff of the test being abnormal. As with a, any enzyme that's there for digestion, you want it to be at a high level. So if it's the fecal elastase comes back greater than 200, this is good and this is what we consider a negative test. However, when it's between 100 and 200, there may be this gray area that there's possible mild deficiency of the enzymes, but absolutely less than 100 would be a concern that there is truly an exocrine insufficiency issue. And in that case, then the treatment would be to start pancreatic enzymes. This will definitely help with the digestion of fats, proteins, and other macronutrients, and it can put on some weight and help overall nutrition-wise, 
but it doesn't get down to the diagnosis of the reason. So oftentimes after you find this test, you will start enzyme therapy, but you'll also really want to investigate if there's other underlying genetic causes for this, specifically in pediatrics, you know, identifying if cystic fibrosis is something that hasn't been diagnosed yet. There are other rare genetic syndromes such as Schwachmann-Diamond and Johansson-Blizzard that can also kind of be uncovered with this test initially after presenting with weight loss and diarrhea. Thank you. So what alternative testing options are available and how might those compare to pancreatic elastase? When it comes to looking at the pancreas in general, we can have indirect tests and we can have direct tests. The indirect tests are the stool tests. There's also some breath tests that have been not widely available um, to use. But when it comes to the indirect stool tests, I would say there's three out there right now that are being utilized. One is the earliest uh, stool testing, which was fecal fat. And this is a 72-hour test of stool, and they measure the level of fat in it. The downside of this test is it's not specific to the pancreas, for one. If you have fat malabsorption, which would mean you'd have a large amount of fat coming through your stool, hence the fecal fat collection would be elevated. This would be nonspecific. It could be from the pancreas, but it could also be from other causes such as you know, your um, mucosal injury within the GI tract, such as celiac disease, if there's short bowel syndrome, even if there's an inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's, and oftentimes liver disease too with cholestasis can have an abnormal fecal fat. So while it's a good test to have kind of in your back pocket if you're looking for pancreatic insufficiency, it's not going to be specific. The other downside of that test is it's a 72-hour collection of stool, and no one wants to collect their poop over 72 hours. It's, it's very cumbersome for the patient. And it also requires that you're on a very specific diet that in, contains a specific amount of fat that's based on your age if you're a child, or your, your weight if you're a child or if an adult. It's about 100 grams of fat a day that you have to maintain so that the test can be accurate. So it's one of the earlier tests that we were using uh, you know, a while ago for identifying pancreatic insufficiency, but I would say it's not widely used today because of those reasons of it being cumbersome. The second test outside of fecal elastase is stool chymotrypsin. And this test has been shown against fecal elastase to not be as sensitive for uh, identifying pancreatic insufficiency. But the stool chymotrypsin is interesting because you'd have to stop any enzyme supplement. I know we're going a little bit deep into stool testing, but I like to use chymotrypsin actually as a compliance marker if enzymes are actually being given at home. So if you're starting someone on, on enzymes and are not growing or their diarrhea is still persisting, you can add on this test to see if they're getting an adequate amount of enzymes. But it's not a great test for diagnosis for sure. And so that leaves us with that third indirect stool test is what we're talking about today, which is fecal elastase, which has been known to be very sensitive, 86 to 100% sensitivity in patients with cystic fibrosis, which oftentimes has exocrine pancreatic insufficiency associated with it. So at this point, it's easy to use tests. It's a one-time collection. There are some limitations to the test though. And so I think this is a good time to talk about them is if you have a patient that has watery diarrhea, you know, typically with uh, pancreatic insufficiency, it's more like steatorrhea or like that kind of fatty stool. If there's watery diarrhea, the test can be diluted 
And so it may be falsely low if you have watery diarrhea. So that's one limitation. The way to go around that is to, you know, you can always repeat the test. Uh, you could, there's some ways to kind of dry out the stool and do a stool measurement. But in that case, I think there are other tests available that your pediatric gastroenterologist can aid you to identify outside of that. So again, if one limitation is watery diarrhea. It may be falsely low. The second is it doesn't detect isolated deficiencies. And to my knowledge right now, there's no stool test that identifies isolated deficiencies. And that's where you'll need to do direct testing, which is not stool test. The last limitation is that of the fecal elastase and of all the stool tests and direct tests in general is that it only detects severe ranges of exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. So if you have moderate insufficiency in pediatrics, this is sometimes difficult to really identify. And in severe cases, this test is really helpful. In moderate, the indirect tests, including the fecal elastase, can be a little bit um, difficult to detect. So overall, there are limitations to the test. There's about three, like I said, tests for the indirect measurements of pancreatic insufficiency. And as of those three, this is the best test that we have available at the time. Great. Thank you so much for the, the detailed breakdown. It's very helpful and I'm sure the audience will enjoy yeah. it. But to kind of take it then back up out of the detail and into more of an overview, when you're meeting with a patient and, and perhaps their parent or guardian, how do you typically explain why you're having this test performed? Oftentimes, I'll like kind of go through the common symptoms uh, for exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. So again, patients that present to me with poor weight gain, diarrhea, or even looser type stools, and oftentimes there can be intermittent abdominal pain associated with that. And so the first step in my explanation is identifying reasons for their poor weight gain. And I kind of go through a stepwise process of is there enough calories being taken in? And if so, are the calories being absorbed? And so with the pancreatic insufficiency, you lose the ability to break down the fats, the protein, and the carbohydrates, and they don't get digested, and then they don't get absorbed. And with that, you'll have weight loss because you aren't taking in the nutrients that you're actually trying to give yourself. So oftentimes they're on high calorie diets and they're just really not gaining weight. And that's another good sign to say, okay, let's just do this quick test to see, you know, screen to see if I have any concern for a pancreatic issue. So uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today about this test? With the test in general, like I said, it's a very easy test to use. Um, and oftentimes it can lead you into the direction of a treating someone with uh, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, maybe undercovering any underlying issues. But I also say that if I find that there is a concern for exocrine pancreatic insufficiency and the test is negative, remember there are some limitations, meaning the test is normal and there may be something there, there are other tests that you can use that directly test the pancreas. And so I think it's always good to have a heightened suspicion as a pediatric gastroenterologist and as a pediatrician to settle findings within pancreatic insufficiency and using fecal elastase as your initial screening test is gonna be very useful in your practice. Great, thanks so much for taking the time to discuss this test with us today, Dr. Hobson. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.